You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Welcome. I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Today's guest directs and coordinates research programs at U.S. Poultry and Egg Association, better known as U.S. Poultry. The organization supports the nation's poultry and egg producers through research and education programs focused on poultry science and technology. Dr. Denise Hurd is returning for her third visit to Meeting Pod, and in this episode we'll offer updates on the latest U.S. Poultry research programs, discuss the fallout of the recent HBAI outbreaks on industry players, and provide a preview of the upcoming International Production and Processing Expo, which is slated to begin later this month. The organization is nearly 500 members, representing poultry producers and processors of breeding stock, broilers, ducks, eggs, turkeys, and affiliated companies, and sponsors the annual IPPE show, which will be held in Atlanta. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us today, Denise. Hello, Chris, and thank you for inviting me back to chat with you. We are always thrilled. Well, it looks like 2023 was a busy year for U.S. poultry in terms of the types of research supported by the organization as part of its mission. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of some of the more prominent research studies involving U.S. poultry and the outcomes of these projects? So 2023 has not disappointed in the area of research. For the sake of time, I'd like to highlight two important projects that have been completed this year. The first project is titled Utilizing Dry Hydrogen Peroxide as a Replacement for Formaldehyde in Commercial Poultry Hatcheries, and this project came out of the University of Georgia by Dr. Brian Jordan. So we know hatchery sanitation is a continual issue in the commercial poultry industry and has become a focus since the removal of antibiotics. Poor sanitation leads to reduced hatchability, an increased three to seven day mortality, and chronic infections that can reduce performance. Now, more than 30 years ago, using formaldehyde fogging systems in hatchers was a common practice to control microbes. But as the undesirable effects of, on equipment, chick respiratory quality, and hatchery workers were realized, the practice was discontinued in many places. Now, with the reduction in antibiotic use, formaldehyde fogging has again become a very common practice. So in this study, we're evaluating dry hydrogen peroxide, or DHP, which is a proprietary technology that produces a true gas phase hydrogen peroxide molecule, making it different from the common liquid peroxide solutions normally used in sanitation and medicine. In previous research, using DHP in common spaces of the hatchery resulted in increased hatch of fertile, decreased aspergillus positive chicks, and decreased three-day mortality at the farm. Other research has shown that using dry hydrogen peroxide in a concentrated matter in a single-stage incubator can achieve the same level of microbial reduction on eggshells as pre-fogging eggs with formaldehyde prior to set. With these data, the next logical step was to compare the efficacy of dry hydrogen peroxide in a commercial hatchery to formaldehyde. And the results from this trial demonstrated that dry hydrogen peroxide 
in the single stage system utilized performed as well as the industry standard formaldehyde fogging program. This is significant for the poultry industry as it shows that there is a viable alternative for formaldehyde use, especially since formaldehyde has already been banned in some states and is currently under risk evaluation with the EPA, which could lead to a total ban. Now, the second project that I'd like to highlight is titled Identification of Early Indicators of Necrotic Enteritis Disease in Broiler Chickens, and this held out of the North Carolina State University by Dr. Ravi Kolkarni. So again, in this age of no antibiotic ever farming, the re-emerging necrotic enteritis disease caused by Clostridium perfringens poses a major economically important health concern in poultry particularly in broiler flocks. Identifying biological indicators such as a specific class of volatile organic compounds or VOCs during necrotic enteritis development may help initiate prompt disease control measures. In this study, researchers aim to identify necrotic enteritis specific volatile organic compounds, including reduced sulfur compounds in the feces and manure as well as environmental, such as air samples, collected during a four-day period of necrotic enteritis development using an experimental infection model in broiler chickens. Collectively, the findings showed that one, it is possible to reproduce necrotic enteritis in broiler chickens, and two, two specific amine volatile organic compounds appear to be positively correlated with the incidence of necrotic enteritis in broiler chickens and that further work is required to validate these findings under commercial farm settings. Well, it seems very challenging to uncover really nice findings in both of those studies, and then it kind of opens the door to, for even more examination of an angle that hadn't been considered necessarily when the projects began. Yes, that's very true, Chris. Now, when it comes to selecting which research efforts U.S. poultry will support, what are some of the criteria involved in making those decisions, and how long is the process, generally speaking? The criteria are really very simple. U.S. Poultry maintains a list of research priorities for the association online, and those priorities are updated every two years to reflect the research needs of the industry. For our comprehensive research program, researchers can review the priorities and select which to submit a pre-proposal for. U.S. Poultry invites pre-proposals that address problems outside of the industry priority list, but we urge the submitter to provide ample background and justification to explain the need for the research. Further, we have another program called the Board Research Initiative Program, and each year we put out a very specific request for proposals on an issue that necessitates immediate and urgent research through the Board Research Initiative Program. Researchers have this very detailed outline of the requested research need and they can submit pre-proposals. The U.S. Poultry Foundation Research Advisory Committee, also called the FRAC, then reviews all of the pre-proposals and selects which ones to seek a full proposal. Pre-proposals are evaluated for their relatedness to U.S. Poultry's highest ranking research priorities, the current need within the industry, the applicability of the research, and the likeliness of success. Any full proposal submitted must be accompanied by a letter of support from the poultry industry, and the FRAC makes recommendations on which proposals to fund, 
and it is the U.S. Poetry Association and Foundation Board of Directors which approves the funding. And this whole process takes about four months, and we have two competitions each year. Sounds like it's a very tiered program that uh, researchers are going to have to do a little research on their own to make sure that they get the right things put together for the presentation or for the request. Uh, Let's take a look. Uh, Can you give our listeners an idea of some of the more recent success stories in terms of poultry research supported by U.S. poultry that really stood out in advancing poultry production efforts? Absolutely. A huge success story revolves around the report of antimicrobial use within the poultry industry at the farm level. So just last month, updated research supported by U.S. Poultry was released quantifying the United States poultry industry's on-farm antibiotic use. This is the only report of its kind. This updated report showed further improved antibiotic stewardship and commitment to disease prevention within the poultry production. As part of its commitment to the transparency and sustainability of a safe food supply, the poultry industry aims to strike a balance between responsible use of antibiotics, which are medically important to humans, and also keeping poultry flocks healthy. It was under the research direction of Dr. Randy Singer of Mindwalk Consulting Group and the University of Minnesota that this report represents a 10-year set of data collected from 2013 to 2022 for the U.S. broiler chickens, turkeys, and represents a seven-year set of data collected from 2016 to 2022 for layers. A substantial sample of U.S. production is included in the report based on a comparison to U.S. production numbers reported by NAS or the National Agricultural Statistics Service of USDA. Participation was entirely voluntary, and we had approximately 85% of broiler chickens, 70% of turkeys, and 45% of hens and lay being represented by this study. And I'd like to just share, you know, a few of the key findings that the report showed, but I highly encourage anyone interested to read the full report. So just to highlight a few things in the report, broiler chickens receiving antibiotics in the hatchery decreased from 90% in 2013 to less than 1% in 2022. Medically important in-feed antibiotic use in turkeys decreased substantially. In-feed tetracycline use decreased more than 75% over this 10-year period. And then for layers, the only medically important antibiotic used in laying hands for treatment and control of disease in this data set was chlorotetracycline, CTC, used in part because it has a zero-day withdrawal, meaning that there is no loss of eggs during the treatment period. So again, Chris, these are just a few highlights, but I, I definitely encourage everyone to take advantage of this report and review it on the U.S. Poultry website. Those sound very groundbreaking, so thank you so much for going over those results. Let's turn our discussion now toward the return of highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, which devastated the poultry industry in 2015 and has affected nearly 73 million birds in 47 U.S. states so far this year. What type of support is U.S. poultry offering its members when it comes to dealing with the latest series of HPAI outbreaks, specifically when it comes to better protecting their flocks? Yes, we have been very active in trying to provide as many resources to the industry as possible during this very devastating time. There are a lot of resources available to assist producers 
in protecting their flocks from HPAI, many sources for these materials. The key is definitely to implement strict biosecurity consistently every day, all day. But with that said, U.S. Poultry has a few things available to the industry, such as we have developed a biosecurity self-assessment tool for producers. This self-assessment tool guides small to large producers through the USDA National Poultry Improvement Plan list of 13 biosecurity principles, emphasizing what is needed and the specific elements for improving biosecurity. There is an accompanying template design as a fill-in-the-blank type document to also assist producers in the design and monitoring of their program. Additionally, we have a series of educational DVD materials available, an animal husbandry website, which provides key elements in the areas of cleaning and disinfection, traffic control, pest control, depopulation, and disposal. U.S. Poultry also hosts avian influenza webinars featuring AI subject matter experts, and we organize an annual live production welfare and biosecurity seminar. Last but definitely not least, we provide significant research funding for HPAI biosecurity methods, depopulation and disposal, virus mitigation, and many other research topics as they relate to HPAI. So clearly being a member of U.S. Poultry opens the door to a slew of beneficial information that can be practically used by producers as they go through their day-in, day-out biosecurity efforts as this surge does not show any signs of slowing down. Unfortunately, that's true. Fingers crossed that it will slow down. But again, we just must always be vigilant and implement the strictest biosecurity. Absolutely. Let's turn our attention toward the upcoming IPPE show, scheduled to begin in January on the 30th in U.S. Poultry's hometown of Atlanta. The current schedule includes more than 80 hours of education for attendees, including the release of several pertinent studies generated by the organization. Can you give our listeners, Denise, a sneak peek into the types of presentations attendees can expect to see during this three-day event? Yes, absolutely. So IPPE educational programs will focus on animal welfare, operations, food safety, sustainability, increasing efficiency and profitability, and many other topics. Programs and workshops led by industry experts will highlight the latest insights into industry issues and best practices. Among the programs scheduled during the Expo Week are the International Poultry Scientific Forum, the Latin American Poultry Summit, the Pet Food Conference, the Poultry Market Intelligence Forum, and the Food Safety Design Principles Workshops. Attendees will not want to miss these great programs, along with the 90-plus Tech Talks that will also be offered at the 2024 IPPE including the research tech talks as well. Now, finally, are there other additional benefits for IPPE attendees that we haven't discussed yet? Yes. So the 2024 IPPE has expanded to include four halls, A Hall, B Hall, BC Hall, and C Hall. This will be the largest IPPE trade show floor ever at 615,000 plus square feet with approximately 1,400 exhibitors. It is big, and we encourage everyone to attend to see the latest technology, equipment, and services used in the production and processing of animal food, meat, and poultry and egg products. 
Also, in addition to the great education programs offered, there will be numerous opportunities to network and connect with other industry peers and colleagues from the United States and 125 plus countries worldwide. Be sure to join us for the welcome reception on the trade show floor on Tuesday, January 30th, and for the taste of IPPE on Wednesday, January 31st in the Discovery Zone. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity for face-to-face meetings and expanding one's mindset to other countries and seeing what they're doing in the challenging world of poultry production. Our thanks to Dr. Denise Hurd for providing her insights into U.S. poultry research programs and providing a preview of what attendees can expect at the annual IPPE show later this month. And of course, thanks to our Meeting Pod listeners for tuning in. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net.